0: Welcome to another captivating episode of Raw Momversations, where fearless moms and experts unite to explore alternative practices. Hey there, I'm Allie. And I'm Melania. Our mission is to empower your one-of-a-kind parenting journey. Join us as we explore unconventional birthing and parenting methods. Get ready for inspiration, authentic stories, and unwavering family love. Together, we're rewriting our rules of parenting one bold step at a time. So without further ado, let's kick off this Empowering conversation. Raw conversations where fearless motherhood leads the way. Today, we have an incredibly inspiring mom, Leanne, who has shown remarkable courage by wanting to share her deeply personal journey through pregnancy while also dealing with obesity. We understand that the topic of weight can be a subject surrounded by judgments and misconceptions, and it's important to emphasize that our discussion comes from a place of understanding and empathy. And we're here to share Leanne's personal journey and to provide a platform where her story can be told without judgment or stigma. Leanne, Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Tell us
2: a little bit about yourself and what made you feel ready and confident to come and share your story with us today? Uh, So my name is Leanne. I'm a mom of a
1: seven-year-old daughter uh, named Olivia, and I have a stepdaughter named Roxanne, who's eight years old. Um, today I felt very confident in like speaking my journey. Like I've been very open on social media about my journey, my weight loss journey, um, my struggle with anxiety, depression. And I just felt like I can explain my story and really, um, let people know, um, that, you know, there's another side to things, you know, like there's a way to, there's not, it's all always a dark side. There's a bright side to things as well. So I really feel that my story can inspire others. I
0: love it. Beautiful. And before we get into your whole experience of pregnancy and dealing with your weight, let's talk about just like some of the struggles and your hardships prior to even getting pregnant. Like what were you dealing with?
1: So I've struggled with my weight um, for basically my whole life. I was very active as a young, uh, like, you know, up until about 14. Um, but I suffered from anxiety, depression, um, suicidal at some point, um, due to, I was very teased at school and, um, like I liked school in elementary school, but then high school came around and because I was so obese, um, people would make fun of me continuously. Um, so I had a lot of, um, dark moments I could say. And, uh you know the i i ended up even being hospitalized when i was 14 years old because i was so tormented sorry um as a child and uh but i i i think that was the best thing because it actually um probably saved my life um with the help of doctors and uh, medication to help me get through those dark moments so I really suffered for many years, anxiety, depression, suicide. Um, And I think it all stemmed from being so uh, tormented uh, because of my weight. Yeah, The
2: bullying is just so heartbreaking these days. And I mean, I can't even imagine today with all the social media on top of like everything you went. We're sorry to hear that. I mean, no one really (sighs) deserves that at all. Yeah, it was honestly, it was when like, you know, MSN ICQ. Came mm. out. <laughs> so, in
1: like, the beginning of social media. So, like, people would, you know, make fake accounts about me and then like torment me through it and stuff. So, I had some really rough teenagehood. And uh, that definitely contributed to um, my increase in my. Uh, being overweight, like I was always overweight, but then my obesity, like I really became severely overweight, I was like 376 pounds, Mm. uh, just before my pregnancy. So that definitely uh, was it was a rough time for sure.
2: And your doctor actually told you that you're probably not going to get pregnant, correct?
1: Yeah, my gynecologist told me that like, the chances I will get pregnant is like very slim to none. Um she was always like a tough gynecologist on me anyways because mm. she was always like no you're like I basically would walk out of every appointment crying because she mm. would always have comments about my weight and I understand like weight is can be an issue during pregnancy and it ended up being that but I just feel like sometimes doctors the the way they speak to people it's just like there's no bedside manners you know and mm-hmm. yeah she told me like there's no way you're going to get pregnant Uh, which I I ended up well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so tell us about the your pregnancy journey and how that all came about. So um, I because of my anxiety
1: and depression, I was on medications, obviously. And for one year prior to trying to get pregnant, I worked very hard on my mental state uh, with psychologists, psychiatrists, and uh, we worked out a plan to try and get me off the medication so that I can uh, get pregnant. Well, it wasn't that the fact that it would block me from getting pregnant, but it's just the risks of those types of medications, like club feed, cleft lip, the side uh, of- exactly mm-hmm. this long-term side effects uh, and how it affects the baby. So we worked for a year to get off of them. And then I was on like one last pill, the lowest dosage and mm-hmm. I ended up getting pregnant in uh, July of 2015. So, wow.
0: yeah, <laughs> it was uh, quite the journey. <laughs> And what were some of the hardships that you experienced while pregnant? Um, right from the get-go, um, I was actually put off work as of
1: I think it was like nine or 10 weeks, uh, because my blood pressure was immediately high. Crazy. Um yeah, and I had a lot of problems with work because they're like, What do you mean you're off at nine, 10 weeks? Like people go to like 36 weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was a big challenge, is like the work aspect. So like financially, but also like physically, like I, I was 376 pounds, like the just day to day movement was tough, you know, and then now I'm carrying a child and it was it, it, a very, very hard. Um, I, not only the blood pressure, but it was the continuous, um, Every day I had to take my blood pressure like five to six times. had to record it. If it was low, if it was high, then I would have to go into the case room. Like, you know, after like your 18 weeks or whatever, I had to go into the mm-hmm. case room and be checked. Um, I was on three different medications for my blood pressure because my blood pressure was out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they couldn't control it much with the medication. Like, it would be good. And then all of a sudden they would have to readjust my medication because it was up and down. Um so that it, like lots of problems within my pregnancy for sure
2: so constant surveillance yeah and, and like extra had, appointments and yeah lots like I had to go for um
1: I think it's called an NST which is like they put the baby monitor the monitor on your stomach and every time the baby moves you're supposed to press a, press a button mm-hmm. but because I was so big the baby and Olivia was like so tiny uh, because a lot of times with high blood pressure, you end up with a smaller uh, child. And mm-hmm. because I was so big, I wasn't feeling Olivia move. So mm-hmm. I had to go in like three times a week to go like early on, like at like 20 weeks, I had to go in every single week, three times a week, just so that I could be monitored to make sure she's actually moving because I couldn't feel her move at all.
2: And how did they monitor? Did they do like ultrasounds or like how, what was the monitoring process?
1: It's called an NST and it's like a thing that they put on your stomach and it uh, it calculates the movement. So every Mm -hmm. time I would feel her move, which was even with that machine on, it was very difficult. I would have to press a button and then they would see if the heart rate would go up. So I had to do that and ultrasounds like uh, vaginal ultrasounds because I was too big. I couldn't even do a regular ultrasound. All Mm. my ultrasounds were done vaginally because of how big I was. It was very
0: tough. (laughs) Looking back, was there ever even like a moment that you were at peace or calm or even enjoying your pregnancy or was it just worrisome the whole time?
1: To be honest, it was worrisome the whole time. Like it didn't matter. Like I had to bring my blood pressure machine even when I'd go for dinner with friends at a restaurant or something, you Mm -hmm. know, because I'd have to take my blood pressure because I would all of a sudden feel like dizzy and headaches and stuff. So it really affected. It was not a fun pregnancy. Like I never like even now I'm like, oh, I wish I would have another child just so I could have a normal pregnancy. Obviously, you can never
0: guarantee that. But I didn't have that fairy tale, so to speak, pregnancy at all. Right. Um, do you want to talk to us about the big day, the delivery? Did they prepare you? Did you already know anything going in advance or did the day of labor just come by surprise? So the mo- the morning, uh, I was 35
1: weeks and um, I wasn't feeling Olivia move. So I had an appointment around 11 o'clock, but I called the case room about seven o'clock in the morning and I was like, listen, like I haven't felt her move. Um, my blood pressure is sky high like 180 over like 100 like very excessive it should be like 120 over 80 and I was mm-hmm. like in the 180s and um they said to me like forget your appointment come in now so I got ready and I I didn't even bring my bags thinking that I was anything was going to happen right there I just think it was a regular appointment they were just going to check up on me so I went in and they uh to the case room and they immediately uh started monitoring me. And um my doctor came and saw me and he was like, Leanne, he's like, we're inducing you today. Like your blood pressure, you have preeclampsia. Um, there's no way of controlling this at this point. We need to get her out. But it's gonna be a long process because she is not ready to come. Uh so then we ended up um Uh, that was at nine o'clock in the morning he told me that and we ended up starting the induction at 4 p.m and at 4 p.m like they put you in the room and everything the baby monitor like the monitor on the belly but again even that monitor because it was so um I was so big they they had trouble even finding her heartbeat like it was so scary um an experience yeah yeah because I never knew if she was alive you know it's it was really, really hard. And uh, finally at four o'clock, they ended up putting the uh, balloon in. And uh, normally you're supposed to keep it for 12 hours. I kept it for
0: 24 hours. Uh, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> tell,
0: tell everybody how long you were in labor for.
1: So I was in labor for, I totaled 57 hours. <laughs> um, 56 of it, I was laboring and I only pushed for 45 minutes. Wow. So yeah, it was a long fifty-seven hours. At first, I did not take the epidural because I was like, nah, I can do this. I'm a Superwoman," you know. <laughs> and uh, and then at eight hours in, my doctor's like, "Oh no, Leanne, like you need to take the epidural." Like because I was like, I-, "I can do this." And then he's like, "No, it's gonna be really long." So I ended up induced on Monday at four, and I ended up giving birth at 1.58 a.m. on Thursday morning. Oh,
0: my
2: Gosh,
0: that's yeah. long.
2: And and they yeah. didn't even want to risk doing a C-section with you. Exactly. So because I was so
1: obese, um, the risk for me was uh, too high to do a C-section. Uh, one for me, because they would have to, like, first of all, the manpower at the timing that I was giving birth, it was too late at night, like in the morning, um, they didn't have the staff on hand to be able to manipulate my stomach to be able to open me up. And then also because, um, the, uh, like because of that, but also because of the recovery, like the recovery would have been insane. Like I've heard people like having C-sections at, at a normal weight or whatever, I couldn't imagine like having to go through it. So my doctor's like, there's no way we're doing a C-section it's 100% you are giving birth vaginally.
2: It's a major, um, major surgery.
1: So yeah, exactly. at least you didn't it's have to lit- go through that. Oh, my God. But <laughs> yeah, it, um, they ended up so I when it, at 56 hours. I was like, Mom, like, you need to press that button because like, I'm gonna put like, I'm I'm ready. And then the nurse came in and she's like, well, we have no doctor ready. And I'm like, oh I don't care
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's never a doctor available when you have to go
1: right (laughs) exactly and I'm like no you don't understand you need to go so she like just pushed my bed like up and I was like no 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 like please help me so finally like a a resident ended up coming in and prepared the room um they did prepare me that Olivia would end up in the NICU Uh, So they actually had, because I was given birth at the new super hospital, the children's hospital is actually connected to it. So the NICU team was outside the room waiting. And so I ended up pushing for 45 minutes and then my, her heart rate, Olivia's heart rate started dropping and my, I started getting a fever. So they ended up using the, um, the suction where they put it on her head and like, pull her okay. out basically sorry <laughs> um so they ended up doing that um her app guard ended up being three which is very oh. low um she didn't cry for 10 minutes uh meanwhile i'm there uh like you know in the stirrups trying to like deal with what's happening in front of me but like wondering what's happening with olivia
2: were they telling you um, anything at this point or no.
1: Nothing. There was, was just like chaos. No
2: communication.
1: Yeah, it was pure chaos. There was about, I'd say 12 people in the room. Wow. Uh, there was no like intimate moment or anything. I didn't even get to finally after the 10 minutes, they ended hmm. up, um, like they, she, uh, they, she had to have oxygen and stuff and they took her right away. Like I had no skin to skin. I literally like, they went like this and she was like, wow, like, oh my God. yeah. So it was, that was traumatic. Like, the fact that I didn't even have one moment with her, like, to this day, it still bothers me because it's like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I missed those first moments of her life, you know, and mm-hmm. then I had no communication with the NICU because like my daughter's dad went to the NICU, but like the internet is terrible there. So there was no real communication
0: of what was going on. So it it was very, very traumatic, to say the least. <laughs> how many hours later did you get to be reunited with Olivia? So it took, um, because my blood pressure was not coming
1: down. Like I was on magnesium to not have seizures during my whole labor. And then I ended up still being on that for four days after because they couldn't regulate my blood pressure. So it was almost 24 hours before I was allowed to go see her. Um, the doctor's from the NICU came and saw me in my room but they were like basically like you can't come to the NICU because like if you pass out because your blood pressure is too high there's nobody to help you so you can't come yeah because so you're like, still I got,
2: checked in as a patient technically exactly
1: yeah. exactly and like that's what I wish like you know one thing I wish did different is at least had a like you know you can the father is always there they go and see them but like Having that, but he was like stressed too, right? You know, yeah. he's trying to be there for me. He's trying to be there for Olivia. I wish I had a doula because, or somebody, some other support, because there was no, you weren't allowed anybody else in the NICU. Um, so like my mom couldn't even go see her and then report back to me and let me know what was going on, you know? So it it was extremely stressful <laughs> for sure. Like finally at 24 hours, I was able to go see her. They wheeled me down in a wheelchair and that was like after fighting the doctors cuz even then my blood pressure still wasn't down so they were like we don't want you to go and i'm like i need to see my child yeah yeah, yeah. it um it was tough and then when i saw her for the first time she had like um an uh, um a cpap on uh she had wires all over her um i couldn't like i would try and pump To breastfeed, like try and pump like my colostrum to give to her, but like I would pump for like an hour and like I'd get like thirty mLs. Like it was, I think that whole moment that I missed the disconnect first twenty four hours. It really affected me, and I think it affected me postpartum as well in the sense of for postpartum depression. Like, I think Mm -hmm. it really, despite me having, like, anxiety, depression before, like, I was in a good state, you know, in the sense of, like, wow, I'm going to become a mom. But then, you know, the rough pregnancy, the rough delivery, and then the after, I think that really had an effect on me postpartum, like, big time.
2: While you were there in the hospital, Mm -hmm. someone came in and said something to you. Oh, yes. Let's talk about that.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. That was a, a, a very rough moment. So after I had given birth to Olivia and they uh, brought Olivia down to the NICU, uh, a resident came in, The one of the residents that initially came in before the doctor was ready, and she was like, yeah, Leanne, I just wanted to let you know, or Miss Watt, you know, I just want to let you know that, like, if you don't change your ways, uh, you're not going to see your daughter's second birthday. <sighs> Two tears. Um, I mean, in the moment, it was the worst thing somebody could have told me. Um, I was a basket case to begin with. My child just got taken to the NICU. And now you're telling me this. Yeah. It was a hard, hard reality check. Um, Sorry. (laughs) It's okay.
3: It was a wake-up call that I needed. But probably not the best moment, to say the least. It was tough. It was not an easy. I,
1: I still remember to, it. Obviously affected me because to this day, it's hard to talk about because it. It really. It was the. It was the. She was right. If I didn't change, but it was really not the time to tell me that. <laughs> It was uh, it was a tough, tough moment for me, for sure. I probably wanted to punch her in the face, ultimately. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't?
0: Yeah, I
3: know. <laughs> like, yeah, but you're I such a calm. warrior.
0: You're such a warrior Thank for you. everything that you experienced and that you went through. And then to still be beaten down like that. But so you take yeah. this phrase with you in your head into your postpartum. And so what is your postpartum journey like that?
1: So postpartum, um, Olivia was only four pounds at birth. uh, So she was very tiny. Um, I ended up, she was at the uh, Montreal Children's for a week and a half, almost two weeks. And then she ended up being transferred to LaSalle Hospital because she didn't need the like level of care of what the children's give. It's like another type of NICU. And when I went to that hospital, they really weren't accommodating. One, because I didn't give birth there. So I didn't have, like, I just had, like, a plastic met- or a metal chair to, like, try and breastfeed on. So, like, they didn't care because I wasn't actually there uh giving birth. Um They refused to speak to me in English, which I'm no problem speaking French. But, you know, like, when it's your medical, like, your child, like, I need to know what's happened, yeah. you know? Um, and she had jaundice. So again, I couldn't hold her cause she had jaundice. So mm-hmm. there was another disconnect. Um, and then I ended up, um, so the car seats are five pounds. I ended up removing Olivia, like, uh, checking Olivia out at like four pounds, 12 ounces. Uh, because I just, the, the whole environment, the stress, um, I just couldn't take it. Like, I was like, she's going to be better off at home. Her jaundice has finally cleared up like to there. She was still a bit yellow, but like to a certain point, she was pretty like she was not sick enough, in my opinion, to be there. I know Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor, but just mentally, I couldn't do it anymore. So I took Olivia home and she ended up like within a week, two weeks, maybe she started with colic and we had colic for three months. And that's another contribution to my postpartum depression, 100%. Mm-hmm. The lack of sleep. Um, I was very defeated that I couldn't breastfeed. Not that, like, I have, like, there's, no, to me, just fed is best, in my opinion. But, you know, when you, I feel that bonding moment was never mm-hmm. there with Olivia. And it really affected me, Um Because I didn't have those moments, you know, those moments you see in the movies, or you see your friends Mm -hmm. go through, I didn't have those moments with Olivia. And it really affected me. Um, My mental health took a real toll on Mm. it. Um, I think the whole combination, I wasn't eating good, the lack of sleep, the labor, the everything in general, like just had a bad contribution to um, my postpartum depression. It was really rough. The whole journey was rough. <laughs>
2: yeah, Did you have any support during your postpartum
1: journey? Um, my mother was my greatest support. Um,
3: sorry. Um, my mom's no longer here with us, so sorry. Um, she would come, sorry, she would come down weekly to, because she lived in Ontario, but she would come down weekly to... Um, come and take care like give me a break um
1: her dad I mean he tried his best um he could of what he knew what to do but um the uh, I feel like everything fell on me you know like Mm -hmm. the rough pregnancy the rough, rough labor the time in the NICU then the after the colic He didn't know what to do. So I found like a lot of things fell on me. Thank God my mom would give me a break once or twice a week just to Mm -hmm. step outside. And, you know, um, but I wish again, you know, I wish I had that support of an outsider, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody who's just here, let me take your child and go do what you have to do. Go take a shower. You know, I found that was really, really tough. Yes, my mom was there. Yes, she was the best support ever. But it still was, I I needed more help, <laughs> to say, you know, to say the least.
2: And there's no resources sorry. that can help. No. Like that are given to you no. from a hospital or anything. No,
1: even when like I crying. went to my doctor. I know. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's
0: okay. It's okay. Your story <laughs> has this, like, emotional. Uh,
1: yeah, like, even when I reached out to my doctor about my postpartum, I don't. Feel like they were even there supporting you know like th- honestly I can thank my psychiatrist that got me through this because most psychiatrists is just like take medication go away and you'll be fine right um he really took me under his wing I guess maybe because we had a history for so long together right he really took me under his wing and like he would sometimes spend two hours just talking to me, and like he'd have a-, a waiting room full, and he was thankful. I'm so thankful for him. Like he's retiring, and I'm like so sad that he's retiring. You can say his name. We love life. to give credit to, to good people. <laughs> um, his name is uh, Andres Korpaski. Uh, Cor- um, he works at the Brunswick Medical, and he I I believe he saved my life before my pregnancy. And he saved my life. Postpartum,
0: it's okay. You don't have to apologize. You're so strong for sharing. And like, thank you. There's
3: many days that, even after Olivia. Despite her being my biggest motivation, I didn't want to live. And you can ask anybody around me, they had no idea. Mm -hmm. I think the only person that knew really what I was going through was my mother. And honestly, that doctor saved my life. Because many times I didn't want to wake up. And Olivia saved my life too. Sorry. It's okay. I'm 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 with you here too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like there are like angels on earth, you know, and and this doctor is one of them, your mom is one of them, and thank God for them and God bless them, you know. 100%
1: they really helped me get through many tough tough
3: moments you know Uh,
0: (laughs) thank god for them so So, Leanne at what point does this happen during postpartum that you make the decision to make a change yeah
1: so at my six-week follow-up appointment um my doctor asked me like, oh, do you plan on having other kids in the next like year or two? And I was like, oh, I I, I can't answer that question right now. Like, it's like I can't. Um, there was just too much going on. And he's like, okay. I'm like, and then I brought up the comment that the resident had said to me that like, you know, if you don't change your ways, you're not going to see your daughter's second birthday. And he was like, he was very stunned that she would say something like that. Like my doctor, Dr. Panette is a godsend. Like he was amazing throughout my whole pregnancy. Like he's like, he helped me achieve to get to 35 weeks. And mm-hmm. that was a blessing, you know? Yeah. And so he's like, well, I can refer you to the Montreal General. They have a bariatric clinic. Uh, why don't you consider maybe doing uh, a bariatric surgery? And I was like, you know, yes. I need to do that like I had no idea what it what really was uh, but I was like yes please so he ended up sending my referral to the Montreal uh general uh, well like actually to the like a women's clinic and then the women's clinic like filled out the forms and sent to the Montreal general and from there uh it was about a 16 month wait till I got my call and I literally um the secretary by the, by the end knew my voice because I literally called them every two, three weeks. Like, am I next? Am I next? Because mm-hmm. I knew I was on 15 medications. Like that's great for my blood pressure. Yeah. Diabetes. I had sleep apnea. I had high cholesterol all my anxiety and depression medications, like 15 medications. I was wow. on a CPAP to sleep at night because I couldn't breathe. Like, I had sleep apnea. Um, I knew there was no way I would live. Like, in my family, my brother had a heart attack at 30 and 37. My dad had one at 42 and my mom had one at 58. I was a walking time bomb. Like, there's right. no way that I would get not get away with it. But if I didn't change I, that doctor's comment would have become true. I truly believe that that would have, like, I would have died. Like huh? I was, severe, I was extremely sick. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, I was sick. Uh, I mean, nobody really knew. Um, like I shared on, on, I always shared on social media But I don't think people understand to the degree of how sick I really was. You know, Um, you only show a certain amount on social media. People don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, Um, I had a um, an internist because my actual family doctors like Leanne, your case is so severe. I can't keep up like the amount of tests you have to keep going for this is after my pregnancy this is postpartum I only gained 10 pounds on my pregnancy Mm. so it wasn't my pregnancy that Mm -hmm. the problem was I this I think it all stems from my childhood my anxiety my depression um and so yeah so like I I was extremely sick so when they finally called me after I think they called me at like 14 months and then, you know, you have tests to do and stuff like that. So they called me and I went and did uh, an interview. I had to uh, speak with a psychologist one time, which I think is absurd because I don't understand how a psych, so basically the reason why you need to see a psychologist is because I had anxiety and depression. And their thing is, is like, well, like, this is just a tool bariatric surgery if you don't use your tool and you're still having anxiety or depression problems how is this surgery gonna really help you but you know like speaking with a psychologist one time you can tell them everything you want to hear just so you can get the surgery mm-hmm. you know what I mean like so there wasn't very well pre-screening I mean I was it ultimately it was to save my life so I would have told them anything I could just to get the surgery
2: but you were honest
1: um, I, But I was honest, I told them, um, you know, and they knew from my medications that I had, you know, previous issues before, but she let me she she believed that um, it would change my life. So she gave the okay. Um, And then there's two, well, there's three surgeries, but there's two surgeries you could do, you could do a gastric sleeve, or you could do a a gastric bypass. Um, To be honest when I went for my surgery after they called me two months later. So I signed the paper with a sleeve and signed the paper with a uh, gastric bypass. And when I went to, I had to do um, three weeks of liquid diet. So basically five diabetic boosts a day and five cups of vegetables for three weeks. Wow. I lost 13 kilos. So that was the whole goal is to shrink my liver so that I would be able to do this surgery and mm. because they do it laparoscopic. So obviously when your stomach is near your liver and my liver was over my stomach because I was so obese. So they needed to shrink my liver. So by doing the liquid diet, I was able to do that. And when I went in for my surgery, which is another craziness, is that the fact is I signed for both surgeries, I went to sleep not knowing what surgery I was going to have. What's the difference between the two? So the sleeve is like they put your, they staple your stomach kind of like a banana. Like okay. it's in the shape of banana. They do not manipulate your intestines, nothing. It's literally just the, the actual stomach. And then a gastric bypass is, they close your stomach like about a fist, like not, not too big. And then they also remove some of your intestine. So hmm. I actually have... um malabsorption so like i have to go for routine blood tests because the your where you actually absorb the nutrients is in your intestine and because mine is not as long it basically the food flows through faster so i'm not Mm -hmm. getting the nutrients from uh the food so i do take like iron i take uh, vitamin d i take vitamin uh multivitamin I'd take calcium because that's another effect of the bariatric surgery is a lot of people end up having bone issues because they're not absorbing. Mm. So I actually woke up and I had to ask what surgery I had. Wow. Cause they, I they didn't know. They didn't know, it's crazy. right? Yeah. Well, okay. because they didn't know that going in laparoscopy, like when they would go in, if my liver had shrunk enough that mm. he wouldn't perforate it. So it's only when he went in, he's like, uh yeah, we could do with the bypass. Like I was asleep. I had no idea what surgery I was having. When I woke uh-huh. up, they were like bypass. I was like, thank God. Cause for me, so the difference a lot of I'm not a doctor, but a lot of people the reason why I went for bypass is because I had severe uh acid reflux before, which was another pill I was on. Um and the acid reflux actually gets worse with the sleeve, or you can develop it. Mm. So that's why I was like, Oh, I really hope I get gastric bypass. And there's, you have a chance of losing more weight. Those are so I and I ended up getting the gastric bypass. Thankfully. <laughs> but that was another recovery too, you know,
0: for sure. I mean, how long was recovery for you?
1: I was on a liquid diet for another two weeks. After my surgery. So I went like five weeks with really not eating much. And then I did three weeks of baby food. Uh, like, you know, the, those little mother hen.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: We- <laughs> Do <Dude, laughs> you? disgusting. Purees. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, but to get your protein, because protein is so important, especially in our surgery, because um, you need to, protein keeps you fuller longer. Right. So, I actually had to add, you know, that carnation milk? No. You know, like that people add to like their coffees, you know, like as a cream. It's like a powder? It's like a, like little, a- well, there's a powder one or there's okay. like um. Okay, okay. I actually had to add that to everything, every baby food I ate. So like, let's say I had a yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> I had to add this carnation milk to give me more protein. It was absolutely horrid. Um Yummy. <laughs> I mean, in the end, I mean, it was the best decision, but these steps um to get through it all was insane. And then I also had Olivia at home who was How I had old it two thousand. She, she was two uh, no, she was just under two years old. I had it February 2018 wow. and she would have been two in um March. So, yeah, it That's when they're like running around cancer. super active. Yeah. Yeah. Again, thank thank God for my mother. She really yeah. helped me out a lot. But she helped me, but she was all because um in 2017 she ended up getting diagnosed with um stage 3 ovarian cancer. So and she was actually starting her treatments 2 days before I had my surgery. So I had told my mom, like, I am not doing this. Sur- like they had to- set my schedule for my surgery and everything. And I'm like, mom, I'm not doing my surgery. And she's like, I'm like, because I wanted to be there for my mom's chemo, you know? And my mom's like, no, Leanne, like, you need to take care of you. You need to be there for Olivia. You need to do this surgery. This mm-hmm. is going to save your life. And I, I remember that now, like, uh, all the time because it's like another way my mother really saved my life too. You know, is yeah. if she didn't push me to do the surgery, I would have been like, nope, I need to be there for my mom. And I think that's always been my way. Is I've always wanted to be there and help others before taking care of myself. And finally, by doing that surgery, I feel like I took care of me. I did what was best for me. You know, that definitely. Yeah. You know.
2: You know, on an airplane, when they say like, when the oxygen mask come down, put it on yourself first before putting it on someone else, you know, in order for you to be able to take care of
0: everyone around you the way you do, you have to take care of yourself too. So,
1: 100%.
0: But talk to us even so after the surgery, just like the strength that it required you to just like stay in a positive mindset. And I mean, it was obviously still continuous work for you.
1: So they always tell you this
0: surgery is a tool. But it never
1: changes your. It doesn't change your mind, right? It only changes your size of your stomach. That's all it, mm-hmm. you know. It's doing. It's a tool that you need to use, and it was hard. You know, like I. I remember after surgery, I ate six chocolate covered almonds. Like this is when I was allowed to have food. I think I was like three months out or whatever, and I was so sick, like throwing up sick because like again but why did I do that I even to this day I'm like why did I do that I knew that that wasn't good but it all comes down to that whole surgery is a tool you need to fix your mind you know it's so important important it's the biggest biggest muscle in your body it, it, it's like it's so important to take care of it because you know that moment when I was sick as a dog, because I ate six almonds, chocolate-covered almonds, I'm like, mm-hmm. like, come on, you know. Um, it all comes down to that surgery really doesn't help you um, mentally. It's an mm-hmm. addiction food. Food is my addiction. To this day, I know I'm still addicted to food. You know, it's, it's a daily battle. It's uh, choices you need to make. Um, there's events I just wouldn't go to because I was like, I can't control myself. You know, like you go somewhere, it's like a temptation oh, buffet stall, Oh, you can eat, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, like I can't go there because I know I can't control myself. Now I'm much better. Obviously, you know, like it's taken. I had it in 2018. It's like five years over five years. It's gonna be six years ago, you know, and right six, yeah, six years ago, and um, it honestly. It's a day. Every day is a different day. Every day is there's good days, there's bad days. You know, um, when I lost my mom, I could say for the a good six months, I really had trouble with my nutrition because again, it's that mental. You know, like I always wanted to take care of other people. You know, mm-hmm. like I had to take care of my mom's funeral. I had, you know, it's there was so much going on like I feel like my life has always been like a roller coaster and um the tools that I've been given I don't feel like I was ever given the tools um through the surgery like through people you
2: know like you would there's one one year follow-up
1: after your surgery after
2: figure it out yourself so there's no guidance in terms of uh, nutrition, like, do they put you on a diet plan after? Do they do a reevaluation with a psychologist? Do like anything like that?
1: No. So the reason why they don't um do because their whole thing is you shouldn't diets. You've tried every diet before you've had surgery. So their thing is we don't want to put you on a diet because it's it failed before. Like that's the way they think is like you failed before on diets. Why are we going to put you on a diet again? Mm. But like, I'm like, yeah, but I don't know what to eat. I've never known what to eat. I've just never properly educated. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I personally reached out to nutritionists. I personally reached out to, you know, psychologists, um, because you don't get even the follow up with a psychologist. They never check up on you again. You're just another file, you know, you had surgery tick you off and That's about it, you know. So Mm. there are support groups out there. Like I'm part of a few Facebook groups and stuff. And unfortunately, with the pandemic, they used to have a uh, once a month. They had like a group session that all well people that wanted to would go to um, bariatric meetings, but um, it got closed because of the pandemic. So and it never reopened again. But even to this day, I I find there's still no support for bariatric patients like well I think in general in the medical world there's a lack of lack of help in you know even during my pregnancy Mm -hmm. there was no real help other than like at the end you know with my postpartum Dr. Korpasti you know he's the one that saved me but there's really uh, the, the lack of support in so many aspects of my life I feel like I've been failed um yes obviously like i said i've had people been there to support me thank god during my pregnancy i i i feel like i should have had a doula i feel like there should be a requirement to speak with a psychologist like you know there's so many moms struggling whether it's during their pregnancy and like again social media is out there so like social media nobody shows the ugly side of it you know it's all Mm -hmm, the prim and proper and i i feel like I know personally, there's a lot of moms struggling, you know, so big time. and I struggles. And so, like, you know, I try and support the friends, but like, I don't know, I find it's it, especially with social media. Now it's tough, like, because there's always, again, I compare myself to the pregnancies I see on social media or the pregnancies I saw on, and that was not even close to what my reality was, mm-hmm. you know? So
3: yeah, well, your
2: social media, which we will link. Um, in our show notes for people who have questions or can relate to you or want advice. You're super open. You always have been from day one. Um, you share a lot of before and after photos, which are mm-hmm. like incredible to see. <laughs> so you. you've lost how much weight since your surgery? So I did
1: my gastric bypass in February, 2018 and I lost 153 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> It's cr- pretty crazy. Like when I say that number, I'm like, I lost the person. You know, like, yeah. I lost the person. I'm on no medication other than like for a bit of anxiety, but I'm on Incredible. no medications. Wow. And then in April 2022, I did a um, skin removal surgery. So you can imagine, I was 376 pounds. Then I had lost 153. The amount of skin that was left behind was uh they'd end up the doctor uh dr godalovich i went private because again the government only covers like you know like the little mom pouch well i Mm -hmm. had like a big pouch obviously because i was severely obese um so they ended up removing i think it was 20 pounds of skin and six liters of lipo Wow. So, about another 30 pounds. So, in total, about 180, 183 pounds wow. I've lost. Yeah, really like a person. <laughs> wow.
2: I mean, you said you're off most of your medication. Just that on its own is such a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. You're so you. much better. Oh, it's it's like
1: night and day. Like, Well, like, you know, th- at 376 pounds, to put it in perspective, I could not give my child a bath. Like I couldn't give Olivia right. a bath. As soon as she went like outside of the, you know, the little baby bath you could put on the right. counter, I couldn't give her a bath because yes, I could get down, but I couldn't get back up with her. So I couldn't mm-hmm. give her a bath. Now, I mean, now she's seven. So like, obviously I don't give her a bath, but I remember that day to, the, to tea, like when the first day, and I remember posting on social media, I gave my child the bath in the regular bathtub. I bawled my eyes out because I was wow. like, I can't believe I was able to do that. Like, I think that was after like losing about like 60 pounds or something. I was wow. just like, I gave my, I even like, and and not only that, like there was a lot of stress on my daughter's father too, right? Because he had to give her a bath all the time. He had to carry her places because I couldn't do it. I I, I had 376 pounds of, you know, weight on me carry now another you know 20 pounds yeah I couldn't do it so I remember that social media post that I posted that I was able to give my child a bath and it, uh, I was bawling my eyes out it was and now like you know I look at my pictures and I'm like what a uh what a difference <laughs> it, but it's mentally it's also, incredible you know Yeah.
0: On that note, if you could go back and tell yourself before all of this, or for anybody who has the same struggles as you, if you've had any words of wisdom or guidance, or if you could tell yourself anything, what would it be?
1: I would definitely, one thing I would do different is probably have my surgery first before my pregnancy. However, I probably wouldn't have because I didn't get that wake up call from that doctor. Mm. So I think that helped. But if I could t- give some advice, just in general, is that one, you're not alone, and two, there, oof, sorry, two,
3: there is a life beyond anxiety and
1: depression. I really, tr- you know, I've come a long way, and uh, I'm not perfect. I still work on myself every single day, but I really believe. To, if there's anybody listening out there, if anybody could take one thing is that you're not alone and there is brightness after
0: darkness. <laughs> Sorry. It's beautiful. Yeah. And we're so appreciative of you like opening up like this and sharing your story. You are an inspiration. Thank you. you so I
3: oh, honestly- appreciate you guys. Uh,
0: and I Ali think a
1: lot of people can support, relate. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Allie's really been awesome, you know, like all her things at Tan Montreal, she's really uh, oof, been a blessing and
2: always,
3: you oh. know, took
2: me under her wing and I so appreciate it. Of course, you're a beautiful soul, Leanne. And, you know, I remember, is it, I did your makeup for your pregnancy shoot or what was it? You yeah, were pregnant my with Olivia. Too. Yeah
1: that was the first time we really met like i followed you on social media but like that was the first time we met and i remember like i i felt like my most beautiful like i just Mm. i i loved you know like oh and then from that day i i feel like um i always had a connection with you and i feel like um and i i've said this before about your business um tan montreal
3: You've never judged me (laughs) because of the way, or my size, or the way I look. All your promotional things and everything, you always reach out to me. (laughs) And I so appreciate it. That you don't, that you you embrace it all. (laughs) Thank you. I would say something. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry.
2: Um, like I said, you're you're just such an inspiration and your story is so inspiring, and you're just like the strength that you have is so beautiful, Leanne. And you know, I have faith that your journey is not over, and you know, this is you know maybe something that is the beginning of your journey of helping others yeah. in a greater way than you have ever imagined. And uh, mm-hmm. we will be here to cheer you on yeah. forever.
0: This this moment Thank was you. meant to be, you were meant to be here at this exact moment yeah. sharing your story.
1: I truly believe yeah. that. And I'm so uh, grateful for you guys uh, allowing me to uh, share my story despite all the tears. <laughs>
2: oh my God. It's like a through a whole Phoenix the box. Therapeutic sense. tears. Therapeutic tears.
0: Therapeutic <laughs> 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 tears. So, while we cry, Leanne, do you want to tell us what your favorite baby product was?
1: So, my two ba- favorite baby products <laughs> um, was Quite the same my way. body. <laughs> um, my two uh. favorite baby products for me was 100% my body pillow couldn't live couldn't sleep without it um and then for uh olivia it was definitely my swing um the mama 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 swing oh, yeah. swing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because um olivia had reflux and the nights we would stay awake i would just like here go in your swing so those two uh definitely uh were my top uh must-haves.
2: <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> aye, aye, aye. <laughs> oh my
2: goodness. Well, Leanne, thank you so much. Um, I, I, we keep saying that you're such an inspiration and I think you will forever be changing people's lives and inspiring other, you know, women out there who are struggling, who share the same, you know, journey that you have. And, um, you know, we're here for you. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. I can't wait to see you (laughs) out.
2: Big virtual hug. Thank you. Big virtual hug.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) I was already crying for when you were talking about the NICU, but I was like trying to hold back my tears. I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) we're going to get through this one. (laughs) Yeah, but Ali has the excuse. She could just say, oh, it's
3: hormonal. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have the excuse. I, you
2: but I think, think you that's gotta, not hormones. That's that's the like heart that's heart coming from there. the
0: heart.
3: Aww, yeah. thank you.
2: <laughs> well, that you was another awesome. raw and real conversation. Thank you. Yes. We'll see you next thank
3: time. Thank you, lady.